you ever asked, how could God care about me? Sometimes we ask this when we feel like a where's Waldo, hidden among so many people throughout history. How could anybody possibly find us or know us in this great crowd? Jesus calls us then to think about the flowers and the grains of sand and the hairs on each head. That God knows and counts and loves each of them. That God knows and loves and counts each one of us. And God, according to G.K. Chesterton, is like a divine child. Throughout eternity, God's enthusiasm never wanes. One daisy comes up out of the ground, and God says to the field, Do it again! Do it again! More daisies form. Each morning, the sun prepares to rise, and even though God has seen every morning since the sun and the earth were created, God says, Do it again! Do it again! And at the end of the day, God is so excited for the stars to come out that God calls to the darkness and says, Do it again. Do it again. Do it again, says a child. And the older children and the adults can get worn out with the repetition the boredom of the eternity of playing peekaboo one more time. But through children, we can learn what God is like. We can learn the playfulness, the enthusiasm, the creativity of a child. And yes, it might disrupt our worship, and yes, it might not be convenient, and yes, it may be loud. But yes, We can see God when we welcome a child. And because we can see God through children, we can learn through and with children. Earlier today, our God sighting came from a child. Why do you like shopping for the food pantry? I don't know. Truth. Then probing deeper, why do you like shopping for the food pantry? Because I want them to have lots of different kinds of food. And we didn't get to the question in the interview about what colors of food you could eat each day. But if you see this kid later, you can ask him and he'll tell you there are five colors that we need to eat in our food every single day. So make sure you have five colors on your plate. When we welcome children, we learn from children. Children have so much to teach us. But let's not act as if all children are perfect, innocent beings. That is not what Jesus was saying in this passage. I personally know of one little fetus whose favorite activity is punching mama's bladder. And I've been warned that outside of the womb... Children can be even more insistent about keeping their caregivers up at night. Children remind us constantly that all of us are both saint and sinner. We're flawed, beautiful creatures. 
We hunger for something we can't articulate. We bite those we love. We mess things up and we try hard and we play hard and sometimes we really, really need a nap even though the more we need it, the more likely we are to fight it. We're not God. We're not in control. And yet we are ridiculously loved. We're loved despite how many words we know or how many tricks we can do. We're loved despite our education. We're loved despite ourselves. We're loved because of ourselves. And we're capable of loving. We're capable of loving even those who don't deserve it. Unfortunately, sometimes our childishness gets worse rather than better with age. The disciples tried to get all lined up. They wanted to know, Jesus, who is the greatest among us? Who is the best in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us is your favorite? And sometimes we approach church asking that same question. What do we have to do to earn God's love? What do we have to do to be noticed, to be valued? And one scholar says, This question is inappropriate in that it seeks status. The child represents a secondary status, a lesser human. So we're called to receive the kingdom of God as a little child, without regard to one's position in it. Perhaps also without insisting that one's position come to one by merit, but simply as given, just as children receive their upbringing. Now that's a longer explanation for what in the Gospel of Matthew Jesus puts even more simply. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children are not in control of what happens to them. They're dependent on others. They're vulnerable. And so each time we see children at our border, children in our foster care system, children swept up in the school-to-prison pipeline, we see Jesus, the vulnerable child. Our mission theme this year as a church is to advocate for children. And this means advocating for all children, to see all children, to advocate for all children. And it can be tempting to focus on the children we know and love the best. I mean, they're the cute little ones right in front of us. I think that the fear of what will help our children succeed, or rather what would harm our children succeeding, or fear for our own children's safety, is part of what drives continued inequality in this country and around the world. We want our kids to have the benefits of U.S. citizenship. We want our kids to have the best education. So we buy houses in good school districts or send our kids to private schools or hire tutors or negotiate individual maternity leave. Personally, I've always been a bit crunchy, but 
that has gone into hyperdrive since getting pregnant. Like, there's so many toxins in the world. How can we avoid all of them? And I think these fears and these desires are natural and normal. And so we lean in for ourselves and for those close to us. But then we don't always ask, why aren't all schools good schools? Why do our kids deserve citizenship and others don't? Why doesn't everyone get paid parental leave or access to tutors or safe neighborhoods where they can live without fear? And why are there so many toxins for everyone and environmental racism making it more likely that children of color and poor children will be exposed to these pollutants? When we focus on individual rather than community questions, however valuable those individual pursuits may be for each individual family, we do not get to the kind of welcoming the child that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is calling us not only to welcome children, but specifically to welcome the most vulnerable children. Jesus calls us to open up and become vulnerable ourselves. Because sometimes welcoming the vulnerable means becoming vulnerable. Welcoming involves risk. Welcoming children who are not in control and who are dependent on others, this can mean becoming childlike ourselves, giving up control and allowing ourselves to become dependent. Note that I'm saying childlike, not childish. We have to watch out because sometimes when we're called to become childlike, we respond in childish ways. Oh no, God, I'm not giving up my illusion of control. I refuse to give up my cynicism and exchange it for playfulness. I want to shout no to what you are asking of me, even though I know that what you are asking is what's best for me. And every time we cling to hierarchies and our status and our position and our rank, Jesus, the divine child, shows us another way. Jesus shows we can be born again. Jesus, the all-powerful, became helpless, dependent, and human. God, the Almighty, exposed God's self and Jesus to all the risks of the world and didn't choose the easy way or the individual way or the secure way, but the communal way. The status-lowering way that brought everyone else along. And in this, new life was born. So now God calls to each person on this earth, finding each one of us in the middle of that Where is Waldo image. No matter how young or old we are in terms of chronological age, And then God invites us. Let me do it again. Become vulnerable. Throw away the hierarchies. Welcome me. Welcome my children. Be reborn. Do it again. Do it again. Amen.